Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. Let me tell you what you're going to get in this episode. So this is a conversation with Joe Dale, who is an MFL consultant, an edtech guru, and a chat GPT enthusiast. Let me just explain what that actually means. Joe Dale, he's an MFL consultant, MFL, Modern Foreign Languages, and Modern Foreign Language Teaching. And Joe has worked in this field for many years, first as a French teacher in the UK school system, and then in other roles, including as a consultant, giving advice and tips and knowledge, sharing his knowledge and services with other organisations, schools, and so on. He'll tell you more about it when I ask him to introduce himself. Maybe even this isn't necessary, what I'm saying now, but I'm doing it anyway. So, as well as being a modern foreign languages consultant, Joe is known as an edtech guru. Okay, that's someone who consults and gives advice on the use of technology in education, edtech. Okay, and, and in fact, edtech, especially the tech part, is Joe's special area of interest in the field of education, right? So he's really interested in all the ways that technology can be used in education, in language teaching. And of course, the most exciting new technology at the moment is AI, and probably the most prominent example of AI, artificial intelligence, um, in language learning and teaching at the moment is ChatGPT. This is the thing that people have been talking about for uh, the last year or so. It's not just ChatGPT, other forms of AI language model are available, but ChatGPT is probably the most prominent one. The language-based artificial intelligence, which everyone has been talking about and using for the last year or more. Um, we're still assessing to what extent it can be useful, uh, whether it's going to take over the world and put us all out of a job, or, or whether it's actually just going to be a sort of an assistant to us, and to what extent it's going to shake up, well, everything. But focusing on teaching and learning English here, Basically, this is a conversation with Joe about ChatGPT and um, um, especially ChatGPT in helping people to learn English. Okay. And this follows on from the three episodes I did about ChatGPT earlier this year. That was episodes 821, 822, and 823, in which I demonstrated some of the things that ChatGPT can do in order to help you learn English. Basically, can it be your uh, English teacher? Now, we saw in those episodes that ChatGPT can do absolutely loads of stuff, of course, and it does some things better than others, but on the whole, it is a very impressive 
bit of software, which can be very useful for language learners and teachers. So here's another episode about ChatGPT, this time in the form of a conversation. And Joe is going to take us further into the ways ChatGPT can be used, including the various ways it can be combined with other bits of software, which is something I didn't really cover in my previous three episodes. How ChatGPT can be combined with other things, such as Google Chrome extensions, which allow you to do things like convert ChatGPT's input and output from written English into spoken English and more. And as Joe is a teaching consultant, there is a focus here on the teaching side of things, on how teachers can use this technology. Um, And I know that most of you listening to this podcast are English learners rather than teachers, but I think that this is still relevant to you because it can show the many ways in which ChatGPT can be used and also other software in order to get more independence in your language learning. So a lot of the applications that the teachers are using could also be used by learners as well if you know if you are independently minded. So things do get quite technical in this conversation as you might expect as we talk about the very specific ways that all of this software can be used. I hope you can keep up with all of that. Um, hopefully my little summaries Uh, now and then during the conversation will help you to understand and keep up with us. Later in the conversation, we do branch out into some wider discussions about ChatGPT in education, including some of the more sceptical or um, uh, perhaps questioning uh, opinions that people have about this new technology. For example, whether it's like ethically okay and, you know, some of the more negative aspects and things like that. So we do discuss that stuff a bit later as well. I hope you enjoy the conversation, that you like meeting jo- Joe Dale in podcast form and that you find all the comments and tips that he gives to be useful, whether you are a language learner or language teacher. As I said, Uh, We mentioned quite a lot of Google Chrome extensions and other things, and I've listed their names on the page for this episode on my website. So if, if you hear us mention those things quickly, all those Google Chrome extensions and other things, if you hear us name them quickly, but you don't quite manage to catch their names, don't worry. Just follow the link in the description to the episode page on my website and you'll find all those things listed there so you can check them out in your own time. Also, I will mention those things again at the very end of the episode just to make sure that you've got it all. Okay, right. So that's it. Um, And now then, let's meet Joe Dale, EdTech guru, ChatGPT enthusiast. And here we are. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm good, thanks. It's really lovely to connect with you. I watched your uh, three amazing uh, YouTube clips on uh, ChatGPT a few months ago, and um, uh, they were quite long, about an hour and a half or so each, but I absolutely loved the way in which you drilled down into uh, using ChatGPT, particularly in language teaching, which is my my background. I was a, a modern foreign language teacher, so I taught French for, for 13 years, uh, etc. But recently... Um, I, well, the last 13 years I've been sort of focusing on how technology can enhance language learning. And very, very recently, everything is about uh, AI and ChatGPT. So that's why I loved what you did because um, it, was, it was very different from the sorts of videos. And I've watched a lot of videos on YouTube about ChatGPT and how, even how it can be used in languages. But what I really liked about what you did was 
It was, you know, a lot of information that you were, or a lot of information you were putting into ChatGPT. And I loved the way you were sort of having this conversation with it, or I suppose with the viewers um, watching the uh, the podcast, the way in which you were saying, well, it's done that really well, but it hasn't done this very, very well. And that's exactly the sort of the experience that I had as well, which I, I would love to sort of go into the weeds about, as it were, and, and drill down into exactly what you found works well and what you found uh, ChatGPT does not do as well. And that's why I got in contact. So I was really thrilled when you said, yes, you know, come on to the podcast, let's have a chat. And uh, that's why I'm here. So it's really cool, genuinely really cool to be here. Oh, great. great. Yeah, it's really cool to have you here. And thanks for saying nice words about the, the videos um, and for watching all of them, you know, uh, all the way through because they were pretty long. <laughs> um yeah, ChatGPT is fascinating stuff. Before we get into all the ChatGPT things, as you just said, let's just let my audience know a little bit more about you. Um, you've got a, an extremely long CV with all sorts of things in it. Can you try and give us a sort of pithy summary of, of what you do? Yeah, no problem at all. So as I said, I was a, a languages teacher. I taught French for 13 years, three years at secondary school level, and then 10 years at middle school level. The first two schools I worked in uh, for the three years at secondary level, uh, one was in North Wales. Um, for, I was there for two years. I also did my PGC um, in Bangor in North Wales as well. And I, I taught in Conway, um, which is just along the, uh, the road there, not far at all. And then I went to Somerset for a year. Um, and then from there, I then went to uh, the Isle of Wight, which is where I still live, which is where I am right now and i've lived here for well over 20 years and i uh, was working in a middle school there 9 to 13 year olds um so i've got upper primary and secondary school experience and i got an interest in technology and how it could enhance language learning around sort of 2002 um and my first sort of conference was 2005 and then i started speaking at like national conferences um like um the language show language world um and other other such um places um, I was a lead practitioner for the Specialist Calls and Academies Trust for three years uh, between 2006 and 2008. Um, I then decided to leave the classroom in 2009 and uh, become a full-time uh, language uh, uh, consultant, independent languages consultant. So I absolutely work um, independently, but I do occasionally work with lots and lots of organizations all over the world. I've done work with... Um, um, uh, the PBC with the Guardian, with Microsoft. Uh, more recently, I've done a lot of work. Well, not, not recently, but in general, I've done a lot of work with the British Council. But recently, I've been doing a lot of uh, webinars um, in places like Indonesia, uh, in Latin America, um, through uh, the use of uh, AI and ChatGPT. Um, I've done face-to-face -face training all over the world, and I've spoken at conferences all over the world. I've been to places like Australia, uh, New Zealand, uh, North America, um, South America, all over Europe, the Middle East, so everywhere, really. Mm. Uh, and um, it's something that I'm really genuinely passionate about. And I've also been podcasting since 2006. And more recently, I've been producing podcasts for people. And um, that's something I've been really enjoying. For example, one uh, which is active at the moment is the Post-Primary Languages Island podcast which we've um done six episodes for at the moment um all a great fun um irish language teachers um talking about their use of um uh different ideas in the classroom about promoting languages uh really would encourage everyone to have a listen to that so i don't appear on that but i just produce it um and it's something that i really enjoy so 
that's that's a little bit about me. But if you want to um, check me out on on YouTube, I've got my own YouTube channel, which is just uh, www.youtube.com forward slash at as in the at sign at Joe Dale. Because a while ago you were able to sort of claim your username, which is really cool. Because there are other obviously other Joe Dales out there. Um, but I was delighted that I was able to get the just the at Joe Dale one without having to add any numbers to it or anything mm-hmm. like that. So that was really cool. And that's got um, over 3,000 subscribers to it. Um, uh, as, uh, during the pandemic as well, I helped to organize over 150 or so uh, TILT webinars. So TILT standing for Technology and Language Teaching um, with the Association for Language Learning, my, myself and my friend Helen Myers, who's the chair of the London branch of AWL, we both sort of came together at the same time at the beginning of the pandemic saying we would put together a series of webinars particularly aimed at supporting not only um, AWL members but anyone from around the world that wanted to, to come along and those have all been recorded uh, and are available on my YouTube channel along with many many other hours of um, recordings uh, as well of different presentations I've given or ones I've hosted etc and on Twitter uh, which again I've been on since um, May 2007. I've now got 34,700 followers as well, or X, should I say? We should call it now, I suppose. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so I'm really sort of out there. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on fa- I'm in very various Facebook groups. In fact, if I can give a plug to my new Facebook group, mm-hmm. which is Language Teaching with AI, um, that is something which I'm sure people would find interesting, y- yourself included. And it's already got seven uh, 1,700 members of that. I have put together some um, some rules um, simply because I, I want to show, um, I want to see that people have given some commitment in rather than just saying, oh yeah, I'd like to join type of thing. So it is a private group. And I also set up some group rules as well, which I ask people to agree to um, as a way of avoiding spam or, or reducing spam. I haven't had any issues with spam at the moment, but you, you know in some Facebook groups you get a lot of spam. Mm. So if people have not written answers to the questions or agree to the group's rules, I, I give them a very polite um, uh, feedback. And then if they want to, if they're serious about coming back, they then come back and then they, they do it again. And I'm using a, a Chrome extension called Magical, which is really cool, which allows you to put in like a little um, set of um, letters, for example, like a shortcut, and it will then replace that with uh, text. So I literally put forward slash... Um, QR, which is questions and rules, and then it then populates it with the uh, text I've actually written. Oh. So I'm not having to do that. I'm to write it out each time. And then if they haven't agreed to the rules, it's um, forward slash R. And if they haven't done the questions, it's forward slash Q. So with just those three shortcuts, it saves me a lot of time to then manage um, the people that request to join. And it's normally about five or 10 a day so it, it saves a lot of time for me to to do that so that's a new thing i've never run a facebook group before and it's cool there's lots of um cool people who are posting um some different ideas around ai and ChatGPT, and there's lots of people who just want to learn as, as i'm as well of course i'm still learning as well mm-hmm. all the time mm, absolutely me too um just before we get into what's happening now with ai and chat gpt let's just kind of turn back the clock as it were and go back to the early days when you were teaching maybe, you know, the very beginning of your career. Um, to what extent was technology involved then? And what kind of technology was it? That's a great question, actually. That's a really great question. So uh, I first started teaching uh, in the late 90s. And so at that time, uh, technology, I mean, it was it was universal in the sense that you would have um, 
you know, computers in lots of schools, but it wouldn't be certainly that the expectation was that every teacher would have their own device. Uh, the internet, as you, you know, as I'm sure you remember, was something like, you know, locked in a special cupboard and you'd only have access to it if you spoke to the deputy head type thing. Yeah. Uh, that was, that's very, you know, that's changed massively, of course. Um, also in relation to, you know, internet connection speeds, I mean, it was all dial up and th this sort of thing. So at the time, um, around 2002, um, the, the UK government had this idea of um, computers for teachers scheme. So it meant that they would give you £500 off a computer as long as it was on one of the, um, on one of the items on, a, on this particular list of suppliers. So that's when I invested in my own computer because prior to that, I could, I could basically just about word process and that was it really. And you could do that as a teacher. There was no expectation that you had to use technology. It's all changed completely. Like I can remember doing the reports, for example, like end of year reports and doing them all handwritten. There was no expectation that you would write them out on the computer or anything like that. So things have changed massively. So I, I bought my own computer. And um, as a result of that, that's when I got the bug, really. And I, um, because I can be very sort of dogmatic and, and um, uh, independent about, you know, for once I, once I'm interested in something, I can just, you know, no, nothing can hold me back, really. And I can just really uh, learn huge amounts in, in quite a short period of time. And that's what I did. And then I just sort of started exploring different ways in which, for example, at the time, things like PowerPoint could be used. I joined various uh, online fora, um, for example, uh, the LinguaNet forum, mm. um, which was uh, quite sort of, I suppose, formal in style. And then the MFO resources, which was a Yahoo group, um, which was more about sharing resources, as the name would imply. And that's when I sort of started um, downloading uh, lots of different PowerPoints that people were, were enjoying and creating and then sort of taking the ideas and then putting them into my own uh, presentations rather than just, you know, stealing or as it were, or, or just, you know, mm -hmm. using other people's mm -hmm. resources. I would just, uh, which is something I've always done. I would just sort of take the idea and then add it or, or, uh, change it in order to fit my style. And that's very similar actually to, to ChatGPT as well, because I've watched lots of videos. I've listened to lots of podcasts. I've read lots and lots of tweets about ChatGPT. And that's how you sort of get a good idea of the capabilities of what you can do with it. And that's when I then wanted to, uh, um, yeah, as I said, get in contact because I was so genuinely thrilled by the use cases that you were talking about in your, in your video tutorial. So hopefully that's given people a little bit of a snapshot of what life was like um at the start of my teaching career tape machines as well tape mach tape yeah, machines yeah. so i mean just from my experience i was in uh, as a as a as a pupil at school i was in the classroom in the early 90s in french lessons and the teacher would have a tape machine that that had wood panels on it so it was it was made of wood right and it was like this large black tape machines i know only ever saw those tape machines in schools never saw them in the re in the rest of the world they're the special school tape machines i don't know if they're better or what but anyway they they'd bring out these tape players and they'd play the cassette of tricolor um you know the french course book that we used to use and it would be a grainy recording of um you know supposed to be a girl in the street asking a man for directions to the office de tourisme pardon monsieur où est l'office de tourisme civil oh, oui. 
Oui, l'office du tourisme, c'est euh, juste en face de la banque. It was always a young girl asking an old grumpy man for directions to the office, the tourisme, or the swimming pool, la piscine, which used to make the entire class laugh because it sounds a bit like pissing, doesn't it? Hey, and and then bonk as well used to make us all laugh because it sounded like. Well, it sounds like bonk, which is a euphemism for having sex. So we never really learnt that much French. Instead, it was a lot of wrestling with a tape machine and then the kids laughing at the words pissine and bonk. And then every now and then, maybe once every two weeks, this big trolley would be wheeled into the classroom very dramatically. We'd all watch it, wondering if it was going to crash onto the floor. The trolley would be wheeled in with a huge extremely heavy television set and a VHS recorder and the, uh, a, a tape would be put into the recorder and clang, it would be closed. And then some dodgy old VHS would be shown where we'd see French kids uh, meeting each other on a Saturday afternoon and kissing each other as well. Like the boys were there dressed in their nice shirts and they'd go and kiss each other and give each other gifts. And we're thinking, what is, what is this strange world in which the people speak French and they kiss each other on Saturday afternoons? So anyway, it's tape players and video machines and now the, con the the contrast between that and what we've got now is mind-blowing um so chat gpt then yes so what are some of the things they're great, they're great days I, ju I just before we go into chat gpt those are great days that the coomba i think you're talking about the coomba um cassette player was was wonderful and you could do all the fast uh, the cool things like you know fast forward and pause and all that sort of stuff and then of course um overhead projectors as well yes. i was a big fan of overhead projectors and um i sort of worked out back in the day that you could you know those like pound shops um and you get like magnifying glasses mm. and i would like, break the plastic off so i just had the plastic lens yeah and then i would then use that but i had a couple of them i would use that to um uh make the uh the image on the overhead projector blurred and then i could then sort of change it around a bit and sort of uh, move the two lens together and you could create all these different cool effects so the kids couldn't see exactly um what the image was the on the acetate right, and all this sort of right. and I used to love, um things like uh, getting um a pack of let's say 10 colored pens including yellow and purple that would only come with the the bumper pack that you could then use to then uh, create your acetates and this sort of stuff it was great it was great fun it was great for promoting your your creativity but yeah as you say things have changed hugely now um teachers now probably i would say in most certainly uk schools would have their own device um there were lots of students using either a class set of devices if they're lucky enough to have that or even even luckier they've got their own device um and yeah and the internet and everything and all these different sites and and i think as a result of the pandemic as well that sort of divide between those uh, teachers who have always been into ed tech etc um compared to those teachers for whatever reason, have not had that same interest. As a result of the pandemic, that sort of divide has closed, I think, certainly in the UK context. And um, people are now much, much more aware of the sorts of tools that are out there that can be used um, to promote teaching and learning. And then the whole ChatGPT AI phenomenon has now taken everything to a new level. And I think there are still lots of teachers out there that have no idea on this sort of seismic revolution that is... Um, playing out at the moment, which is why having conversations about it and how we can push it and 
and get the most out of it are so important. So what are some of the things that have struck you about ChatGPT and learning English or teaching English then? Okay. So I think what ChatGPT is brilliant at is creating different types of text. So in, in an English language context, it's very, very good at um, creating, for example, um, postcards or uh, narrow reading exercises or um, gap fill exercises, those sorts of things. Narrow reading? Just just some people won't know what that is. Okay. So when I mean narrow reading, what I mean is um, you could ask it to, for example, create four different texts which have essentially the same structures in them but slight differences. So the idea of narrow reading is that you're reading the four text, but you're noticing slight differences, and then you can then ask ChatGPT to generate questions based on the four different texts, and then I'll, uh, ask it to create an answer key as well. So in other words, what the learner is doing is they're seeing the same structures, but they're seeing differences. For example, in the when I'm sort of presenting about this in webinars, etc., um, I've got this like um, prompt which I put in. Um, I use a Chrome extension called Canned Replies, which is really, really useful. How, how do you spell that? So, sorry. So that's C-A-N-N-E-D, canned, yeah. and then the word replies. So two words, canned replies, a little bit like canned laughter, I suppose, the same sort of idea. Yeah. So the idea of a canned reply is that you um, can add – let's say you, you have um, uh, a typical sort of email – uh, that you get regularly from whoever it might be, parents or what have you, about a particular topic, and you write out the same answer each time, what you can do is you can t you can create what's called a canned reply, which is essentially uh, a bit like a template, I suppose, and then you just change the name and or slight details. So the Chrome extension canned replies, what it allows you to do is it allows you to make a list up to about 12 uh, different items uh, with a title and the body text, and so with a, a prompt for ChatGPT, you can just put the title of the prompt in, for example, narrow reading, and then put the actual prompt itself in the body text. And then as long as you enable permissions on the Chrome extension, what you can then do is in ChatGPT, you can then uh, right-click um, in Chrome, and one of the options will be canned replies that comes up. You click on canned replies, and, and then you can see the list of all the items in that particular list for that particular session then you just click on let's say narrow reading and it then puts that prompt directly into the um the text box in ChatGPT. so it's just a lot quicker mm. to put in your prompts and because you can export each list separately in canned replies you can rename each one so let's say i don't know uh, i do a four-part webinar series for example so i've got four separate canned replies lists but if i'm doing a bespoke version for a particular school let's say all I have to do is go to my Google uh, Google Docs that I've got available for this. So I've got like one per session, and then just copy and paste the um, the prompts that I want uh, in a, to a particular list in canned replies, and then I've got it at my fingertips. So that's really really useful for saving time mm. uh, with inputting uh, prompts. I think so. Yeah. So that's what uh, that's what narrow reading is. So the idea is that you are. Um, to use uh, the term um, input flooding, which is uh, based on the work of Dr. Gianfranco Conti, who came up with the idea of, well, that's where I first heard about it, narrow reading. So it's the idea of this input flooding, that you are uh, exposing the students to the same structures, but with slight differences. So you're focusing on the fact that um, the comprehension of the text 
is let's say 95% comprehension already. So that you're just changing slight things. But then the questions which ChatGPT can do a very good job in generating, um, they can then work out um, uh, what the answers are. So in the example I give in the prompt is I say to ChatGPT, can you create uh, four uh, texts um, about the morning routine of four different people with slight differences. Um, and, the differences, and, sorry, would be in the things that those four people are doing, or the, the or the, yeah, the language uh, structures being used. Yeah, so it'd be that. So it'd be, for example, um, each one will have what time they wake up, and there'll be maybe slight differences, or yeah. instead of waking up, getting up. Um, so maybe two of them they because um, the examples are normally in different languages like French, Spanish, etc. So let's say in French, it would be. Um, they, uh, ChatGPT would use um, se réveille to wake up, or it, he or she wakes up, yeah. or se lève, he or she gets up, um, and then d- different times. And then afterwards, it would be one of them uh, says that they take a shower, or one of them um, says they have breakfast, and then at what time or what they have for breakfast. So there's so the structures are similar, but there's diff- there's little differences. And so the idea is then you would then check um with the 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 students would then um be able to do the activity and as a teacher you could then check their understanding that they uh, that uh, around the the four different texts that um you're not changing things hugely you're just making little changes and they have to identify what the differences are so if you're if if you're teaching english you could have the four different uh, descriptions of these four people's morning routines and it's a way of introducing various different phrases for describing morning routine, where you've got uh, you've got th- things like that, you can present be asleep um, to sleep to be sleeping to wake up to get up to get dressed, you know, and you, but you can't. It's very difficult to put all of those phrases into one single person's routine because otherwise it's going to be a strange sounding routine if you include yeah, well, all those I phrases. Say, I was going to say that you would um, use, let's say, the third person singular form. Of the verb, you're not. I'm not suggesting that you use different forms of the verb. I'm suggesting that you use, let's say, uh, the third person singular form of the verb um, to wake up or to get up. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I'm not suggesting, yeah, that you would use a whole range of different um, versions of the same verb. I, I, it's, always I it's always going to be he or she. It's always it's always going to be he or she, basically. Um, yeah. uh, although maybe one of them could be I. You know, maybe one of them could be I in there as well. Uh, but the point is that yeah. So you're, the narrow reading is a way of basically uh, presenting uh, language in the context of a text, and the students are noticing certain specific little differences between the texts. Similar texts, exactly. but they're 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 focusing in a narrow way on specific structural or grammatical differences, or maybe lexical differences between those those texts. Okay, and ChatGPT yeah, is great for 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 creating an exercise like that. Well, that's that's what I was going to say. Um, that of course, well, when I'm presenting about this, I'm saying, uh, of course, anybody uh, who's a teacher could create this, but the fact that ChatGPT can do it so much more uh, quickly mm. and the other thing that I say a lot as well, uh, which is what I've sort of learned over over time through experience, which I'm sure you're exactly the same, that it's almost like the output that ChatGPT creates is a starting point. You wouldn't necessarily use it exactly how it is. It's a starting point. And you think, oh, yeah, I like that. I don't like that as much. And then you can then adapt it and change it. But to have uh, ChatGPT generate, if you like, your first draft as a way of avoiding the the blank page or the the blinking cursor or what have you. It's just a great starting point. And 
again, some some detractors say, oh, it's going to kill creativity. To me, it's the opposite. It's, it's actually a great way of um, channeling your creativity and getting you sort of fired up and giving you ideas and inspiration on how you could then change your lesson plan based on uh, what ChatGPT is generating or giving you ideas. Or maybe it's something that you haven't done for five years. And you think, oh, yeah, of course, I haven't done that idea before ah. um, or haven't done that for yeah. ages. I'll do that again. Or I've got that resource on that. That Or it just it just you know, fire synapses in your, in your brain. I've got a great example of that, Joe. I've got a great example of that. So um, I guess it was maybe a couple of months ago, two and a half months ago or something, I published an episode which was called how to, uh, it's it's called describing a car accident in 15 plus different styles of English. And for years, I know it sounds a bit specific. Uh, Maybe the car accident was a bit of a weird one. I could have chosen something else, but I went with the car accident. Anyway, maybe I should have renamed the episode uh, How English Changes in Different Situations, you know, because that was kind of the point. But anyway, I went with the car accident one. Uh, But the point is that so for years and years, I'd always wanted to do an episode or a lesson uh, comparing like uh, English in different contexts, you know, like the way the way the English is used in a, you know, the basics like the formal letter or an article, you know, those Cambridge exam writing tasks, but also all the other varieties, like when a politician makes a speech, when a stand-up comedian does a, a stand-up comedy routine, when two friends are chatting informally, when a child is talking to their parents, when you know, when um, in in an awesome action movie. You know, a, a, a screenplay of an action movie, or even in the in the style of a specific movie franchise, like Lord of the Rings, or how Shakespeare would do it. And um, I had always wanted to do that, but struggled to do it, understandably, because it's a huge challenge for a writer to be able to write, um, you know, a hundred words or three hundred words or whatever. Um, uh, about exactly the same thing, saying essentially the same things, covering the same facts of a car accident or whatever it is, but in those different styles. And then ChatGPT came along and I, I realised, ah, now I can do it and did it. It was immensely satisfying and lots of fun. I mean, the episode was probably far too long and I don't know how many people listened to all of it, but um, the people who did listen to it all, I think, enjoyed it and appreciated the the idea, which was that this is actually a very, very uh, effective way of comparing different styles of English, you know, and it's it was fun as well. Lots of it was f- quite funny too. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's what ChatGPT. One of the things it's very good at creating a whole range of different types of texts with different tones uh, for different audiences. It it can come across as a bit gimmicky. I mean, is that the sort of thing that you would use in in lessons? In other words. Would you once you generated the um, the content in different styles? Would you use it as is, or would you adapt it again once you got that initial output? I did adapt. So the, for the episode, I did I did adapt it a little bit, but I also sort of like tried to leave it alone as well uh, because it was also an exercise in again presenting ChatGPT and considering it. But um, for lessons, yeah, sure, I would I would adapt uh, if I saw fit. I mean, for the for the for the texts that it created, for the most part, I didn't really need to adapt them that much. They 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 were pretty good. There were just a couple of changes I made. For laughs, to be honest, like a couple of little additions that I thought would make people laugh, but I probably wouldn't adapt them that uh, that much. Depends, but yeah, that could be a really good lesson that you know, like incorporated into a proper 
lesson flow, you could have an exercise in identifying, like labelling the the different types of English. If you've got the lists of like action movie, screenplay, politician making a speech, news report, uh, whatever it was, and then the paragraphs, they could just quickly read, skim read the paragraphs and then uh, match the different types. And then they would maybe do a more narrow read reading exercise where they would actually identify specific reasons why this is a movie uh, screenplay and this is a formal uh, uh, this is a, 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 a news report in a broadsheet newspaper and this one is from a tabloid newspaper identifying the different specific grammatical structures or vocabulary differences you know so I yeah I would definitely do that fantastic um, you just touched on top humor a little bit um, uh, a moment ago in relation to ChatGPT is that something that you found ChatGPT is good at, right? Because the reason I ask that question is, again, in examples that I've um, I've shown in webinars, I'll like say, um, well, one one classic one again, going back to sort of morning routine, um, I'll say to ChatGPT, could you create a hundred word text on uh, the morning routine of Mickey Mouse, and can you make it funny, or can you make it very funny type mm-hmm. thing, and then it generates. Um, and some output it generates some text and then i ask the audience um if they think it is funny and what is it about it that's funny and, and in general a lot of the humor is just either great or isn't isn't funny in my opinion but um so i i think i don't know if you agree but um one thing that i think that it doesn't do as well is um trying to be funny or other things like you know writing songs or or quoting from song lyrics or things like that. I've just found it's it's really hammy and awful and trite and not good at all. Well, I mean, as as a as a stand up, what would you say about that? Do you, would you agree with that, or have you, have you ever used it as a way of um, channeling your creativity as a way of creating jokes? Maybe I don't know. No, no, no. I find in my experience that ChatGPT as a comedian is pretty terrible. Uh, I mean, you know, depends on what the benchmark is, right? I mean, if the benchmark, if if what we expect from it is like the standard of a good professional stand-up comedian, then it falls way short. I mean, it can it can come up with some puns, right? It can create little puns and word jokes, but it just I suppose what this means is that humour or maybe something else like song lyrics making music, making songs that move people and do the things that good songs should do. This is a very mysterious art, isn't it? It's like magic or something. And there's something innately very human in there. We don't really know how to describe or define it. You know, people write books about jokes and humour and how it works. And there's a little element of mystery. I'm calling it mystery because, I mean, I don't really understand it. But there's something, just something... um, quintessentially human about an, an, a successful stand-up comedy routine. Also, it's about context as well, the context of comedy. If you just like, if you're in the middle of a lesson or a conference and you just type into chat GPT, just make us laugh. I mean, that's very, 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 very difficult, even for a professional comedian. If it's not within the context of a comedy show and it's not being built up and presented in a certain way with certain audience expectations, then laughter might not happen. 
You know, like you know, this, the audience need to be sitting in the dark. There needs to be a microphone. They need we, everyone needs to see the comedian. There needs to be music. There needs to be an announcement. The comedian comes on stage. The music stops at the right time, and they deliver their pre-prepared material with the attitude, with the physical movements and stuff, and all those things combine to create a moment in which people will laugh. You know, because it's sort of like the 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 situation. Uh, almost requires laughter from from the audience because this is we've created the social conditions for it. So maybe we're give, we're asking a lot of ChatGPT to make us laugh just from a cold opening from nothing. From we're like we're create a narrow reading exercise. Okay, now make me laugh, and uh, you know that's a challenge. But yeah, I agree. I think that the the jokes it comes up with or the humour it comes up with is pretty. Yeah, pretty uh, hackneyed, cheesy, one dimensional. Um, safe as well. It has to be quite safe because I think that ChatGPT is designed not to be controversial and not to offend and stuff like that. Um, so it's often pretty safe. And, you know, humour often has to have a bit of an edge to it in order for it to to really bite, you know. Um, I did. So in, in uh, the uh, episode I talked about describing the car accident, one of the descriptions, one of the styles was a stand-up comedian delivering a, a routine. And uh, I had to work a little hard to sort of imagine I was a comedian and sort of try and work with the material. But I remember thinking I would not like to go up on stage in front of an audience with this material. I, I, I would be feeling very nervous beforehand because I would feel like oh, there's, there's not really a lot here. I mean, the best it could do was it describe, you know, some people commented saying, you know what, I thought the comedy routine was actually very funny. But the best it could do was to say, oh, uh, you know, I thought the person who crashed into me did a really good job. They managed to turn their car all the way around 180 degrees. It was actually quite impressive. Maybe I should, and I thought that maybe I should ask that person for some driving lessons. But then I realized that he just crashed into me. So maybe not, right? You know, it, was, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, but not good enough. I mean, the whole way that ChatGPT works, as, as you know, is it's um, OpenAI have, uh, you know, scraped all this uh, content from the internet, you know, publicly available content, uh, which is why it's very good at, for example, uh, creating different types of text in different styles, as you talked about. So presumably as part of that, it scraped lots and lots of jokes, I would imagine. But I wonder why it is that it's just not very good at creating um, for example, jokes, but also things like songs or poems. Or one thing I really liked about your your um, I think it was the third video clip um, was asking ChatGPT to create mnemonics for practicing grammar, which I'd never thought about before. I thought that was really cool, and it seems to do it very well. But it just falls down on some other sort of creative ideas, and as you say, you know, it sort of comes up with just really corny output that maybe you could use as a starting point and that would you know create an idea on how you could then make it that actually fun for me i i actually find yeah. the laughs in that situation just as a teacher or a comedian or a comedian teacher or whatever it is i am i don't know but uh, the the laughs i find if that's what we're looking for it's, sometimes it's not appropriate in a class but anyway moments of levity can come from the fact that i've told them okay so i asked chat gpt to make some comedy and this is the paragraph it came up with and then say so here we go let's read it and then at the end when they've read it and i'll sort of go so that was funny wasn't it 
and that and that that makes them laugh because we're laughing at chat gpt essentially we're sort of pointing yeah. at it and going oh that wasn't very funny ha ha uh, <laughs> um i mean on the, on the reverse side of that um one thing which i have been you know laughing out loud about that uh, chat gpt has been able to do is um i've uh, been playing around a lot with a another chrome extension called voice control for chat gpt oh, you know I don't know it, but I, I just as a get, I, I'm guessing that it, you can make ChatGPT speak and listen. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So there's a couple of um, extensions which allow you to do that. But um, I played around with a few, but easily the best, in my opinion, is uh, voice control for ChatGPT. So what it allows you to do is you can enable the text to speech, so it can reply to you, which is a little bit weird. You can ask it a question using your voice. Um, so you have a nice microphone icon that appears at the bottom of the ChatGPT interface. Uh, once you've got the extension installed, um, you click on that. You then talk for as long as you want to. And even if you make grammatical mistakes or um, there's misunderstandings, misunderstandings in the pronunciation, it normally understands what you're trying to say. Mm. And then it will then uh, reply to you. Although I tend to, be honest with you, I tend to mute the... Uh, text-to-speech otherwise it can take a long time and sometimes it'll like stop halfway through a sentence which intonation wise sounds very odd and then it sort of carries on but um in relation to humor i was inspired by a tweet um around uh um asking a question and getting two possible answers this was from um sam uh, Sam uh, Gravel, G-R-A-V-E-L-L, who is based in Germany. Mm. And he um, uh, he's tweeted a lot about ChatGPT and he did a webinar I attended recently, which was very good. And I was inspired by that. So what I did was I sort of adapted, uh, similar to what I was saying earlier about PowerPoints, I adapted the idea and put it into a different context. So typically when I've been demonstrating how to use voice control for ChatGPT, I will start off using my voice saying, okay, I want um, you to play the role of a, a waiter uh, in a French cafe, or if I'm working with ELT um, people, I'll say in an English cafe. I want you to play the role of the waiter. Um, I'm an A1 level learner of English, even though obviously I'm not. I'm an A1 level learner of English. I want to practice my English with you. I don't want you to use any other language apart from English, and I want you to reply to each of my answers uh, in turn, uh, Etc. So then, that normally works. Sometimes it will it will misunderstand or hallucinate, and it will generate the whole conversation. Which say, no, that's not what I want. And that's why voice control for ChatGPT is so good for quickly um, creating different iterations by giving quick re responses about no, no, don't do it that way. I want you to do it this way. So um, it would do really, really well on that. So I would enable the text to speech. So I would then say, uh, hello, I'd like to buy a croissant and a coffee, please. And then it would then come up with, you know, a nice little line about that. Yes, of course, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then I would then say the next line and so on and so forth. So it's a really nice way of being able to practice conversation. But then based on the the tweet that um, I'd seen that Sam had done, I then said, okay, and I've written a prompt for this as well. I, I put the prompt in and essentially it's the same thing. But then I then say, I want you to give me a sensible answer and I want you to give me a ridiculous answer. Right. And it's brilliantly and it was genuinely funny so uh, it would say for example you know I, I would say can i have a, a coffee and a and a croissant and it would say um, oh i'm very sorry sir we're out of uh, coffee or having that but this is a cafe so what was funny about it i was i would um 
I could either respond to the sensible answer or the silly answer. And it would, uh, yeah, it would come up with, you know, a, a really something that I thought was generally funny. So, for example, for as, a, as a, another, uh, another example of the ridiculous answer, it might be, um, oh, um, I'd ask for some, maybe some jam uh, with, the, uh, with the croissant. It would say, oh, we've got this um, special this week, some un- unicorn jam, or we've got um, uh, croissants the size of pillows or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. So again, you'd have to adapt it according to the audience. I mean, I know you can say, you know, like um, the audience is, let's say, A1 learners of English, but sometimes it doesn't do as well on the, when it's trying to dumb it down to the um, uh, uh, students who've got less language. It does not, it's not brilliant at that. It's very good at intermediate level um, text. So maybe you'd have to do a bit of tweaking mm. with it. But I just thought it worked really, really well. So you could then take that content, either do it live with a class or take the content and then say, why is, what is ridiculous about the second answer for each line? And I just think that'd be a lot of fun. And then yeah. you could then use that as a model for then the students to come up with their own funny dialogues. And because, as you know, if there's something funny in the lesson, it's going to be more... Uh, engaging for the students and it's going to help them with their memory around certain certain structures so i thought it was you know i mean it was a bit corny i suppose but it was genuinely funny when i worked out that it worked i was generally laughing out loud not just like lol but generally yeah. you know laughing out loud going that is brilliant that's so funny i, I think yeah. that they're to be honest in a language classroom the corny humor is often great actually because you don't really necessarily want something edgy and challenging in that environment, not at all, because, you know, you don't want to upset anyone, you know, even though in the comedy club, that's probably going to get more of a reaction, um, perhaps, but uh, in a classroom, no, you want to keep things safe. And so unicorn jam is absolutely the stuff of great moments in an English lesson, I'm convinced. So yeah, chat GPT can definitely help to bring, as I said, like levity or humor into the classroom. You just have to, you know, be prepared to ex- to to expect yeah, a certain level of corniness. But as you said, that it's a great way of just throwing in a, a funny little element. So yeah, if you've got those three morning routines, you've got like Steve, Jeff and Sarah, you know, that's great and everything, but it's also pretty boring, isn't it? And I, I, I know as an English teacher, I've often sometimes struggled to motivate my students with that kind of content where you you know you're using a course book which has been really well put together but you know they've gone for the more uh realistic stuff rather than the ridiculous stuff um understandably and so you've got jeff steve and sarah whatever it is uh their routines and the students are like we don't care about jeff steve and sarah who are these people anyway they're we know they don't exist we're never going to meet them like we don't care you know that that's in the back of everyone's minds and it requires them to go it's all right it's an it's an english lesson let's just go with it uh whereas if the fourth routine was mr bean or mickey mouse then that would deal with that little problem in their minds, which is like, I don't care about these people, they don't even exist. And that that can often be all you need to just break through that other little barrier, which is stopping the students from really engaging with what they're doing. And it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have to be cool. It can be stupid. That's totally fine. Yeah, yeah and- absolutely. And I think in that context, what I would do if I was the teacher is maybe... Um, ask a, a couple of the students to nominate themselves and I would then ask them to um, tell me a little bit of, of information about what I could include within those morning routines and then just 
prompt that uh, into ChatGPT using my voice saying, okay, I, I want you to rewrite this. I want you to talk about, you know, let's say, I wouldn't say the actual names, but let's say student one, student two, student three, but actually I would say their actual names. And then I would say student one likes whatever it might be, likes football or student two likes whatever it might be that I know that they generally are into and like, and then get it to uh, recreate the text, but reflecting the interests of the students in the class. And that would certainly, I would imagine, create some humor and get some engagement. And then it wouldn't become, it wouldn't be as dry compared to, let's say, a standard sort of, let's say, textbook activity. That said as well, what you could do is you could, uh, respecting copyright, of course, take a text from a textbook, feed it into ChatGPT, but then ask it to create a similar text, but not exactly the same. And then because you can't um, copyright text which ChatGPT is generated, in fact, if you look at the, the terms and conditions in OpenAI, it says that essentially you own any content that ChatGPT generates, which I think is also a really important thing, particularly if you're going to go down the, the route of... Um, of selling resources that you've created, mm. but you could easily adapt things using ChatGPT um, for different types of activities. Once you've got the core text, you can then get it to generate a whole range of different types of exercises, but make it more relevant to the students by involving them, having them being the characters within the text. And I think that would be one way that uh, would be a great um, way of making the content more relevant and, and engaging for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. So let's just have a little, let's just take stock of some of the things we've talked about here. So it's assessing ChatGPT as a language learning and language teaching tool. Uh, you, you're a, you're a, uh, an enthusiast and you think it actually opens the door for creativity there is another side to that argument. We're not going to go down that route right now. Uh, but in terms of the sort of the good things, it's good at creating texts in different styles, in in ways that can can be very useful. For in, you can personalize those texts in whatever way you want. For example, you can incorporate the members of your classroom into the texts. You can create texts. Yeah, you can create a academic style article, a news article, a diary entry, whatever it is. And it, you can do it very, very quickly. Um and that can be a great way of studying language and the different ways in which it's constructed and presented and stuff. Um, it's great for, for presenting examples of language that you're learning. So if you've got a list of target vocabulary items that may be, for example, uh, I'm talking to my audience now, maybe you have picked out a vocab list from uh, a page on my website so if, for example, some episode from my from my archive, um, it, it, I've 
I picked out maybe 15 different bits of language that turned up in that ex- that, ep- that episode. You could take those uh, expressions and put them into chat GPT and say, can you make some example sentences using these phrases uh, in different forms? Or you could say, can you make a little story with these phrases? And then you're essentially recycling some of the language and then there's a process where you listen to the episode, you notice the language being used there, then you put it into a story in a different context, you see the language being used in that context, and then you can say to GPT, can you replace all of those words and phrases with numbers in the text? And it, it it does that sometimes. It does it well, and sometimes it goes uh, and doesn't do it right. So, but I mean, if you get it to do that successfully, the end of the process is that then you can try and remember the missing words and phrases. But does it, see this is the problem. There's stumbling blocks with ChatGPT. Sometimes it doesn't do what you want it to do, and you have to try and rewrite your prompt and try again and again and again. And sometimes it doesn't. Have you experienced that? Absolutely. That that was one thing um, which I was hoping we were we, we were going to get onto, which is brilliant. One one thing I, I demonstrate exactly that. So I will, having generated my um, my hilarious uh, text about the morning routine of Mickey Mouse, I'll then say, "Can you now create a gap fill of that text?" So normally it will create a gap fill, but it will replace, let's say, some of the words with numbers. I then click regenerate. And then sometimes it does exactly the same thing. I then click regenerate again, uh, or however many times is required, and it replaces the numbers with underscores. Then I click regenerate again, then it will give um, underscores and the numbers are in brackets. So what I, the point I'm making here um, is that it, ChatGPT is not consistent with its output, even if you have a very precise yeah. prompt. But what I think it's very good at, as I've said a few times, is to generate the text. And then I would then copy that text and I put it into a third party tool, for example, WordWall. And then you can then you have complete control over the uh, gaps that you create. Because if you say, for example, similar to what you just said, if you say, could you please remove all the verbs from the text? It just doesn't do it. It will remove some of the verbs, but some of the verbs it will just completely ignore. So it's not good on that real, like, drilling down into being really accurate about what you're asking it to do. But then take the text, put it into WordWall or Learning Apps, which is completely free, and there's a closed text option, or there's a really cool Google Docs extension, um, which you can get via the uh, the extensions menu in Google Docs. You then go to uh, Get Add-ons, and then you search for Close It, which is one word, C-L-O-Z-E in capital letters and then I-T mm. um, at the end, close it. Mm. And that is a Google Docs extension. So once you've installed it, you then go to the extensions um, menu again. You click on close it. You then click run or start. You click on start. That's right. A pane appears on the right-hand side uh, with the instructions. And then what you do is you then, let's say you click on an individual word, let's say a verb in your text that you've pasted in from ChatGPT. And then you use the highlighter tool to change the background color to say yellow or something different to the, back, the standard background color in your page. And then on the left-hand side, there's an option which says uh, paint format. So in Word, it's called format painter. So of course, Google Docs like to call it paint format. <laughs> you then double click on that. And what that does is it um, 
it, it recognizes or copies the formatting on the text that you have um, highlighted. So you've got one verb highlighted, you double click on the um, paint format option, and then you basically go through and just double click all the words you want to turn into gaps, for example, all the verbs. Then on the right-hand side in the pane that's appeared, there's a blue button, which is something like create word bank from text, I think. You click on that, and then as if by magic, all the highlighted words are replaced with underscores, and then you have a, a list, which is obviously not in quadratical order, otherwise the gap will be redundant. You just have a list of the different items you've removed, and it's all there, there, there for you. So from there, you could then turn that into a worksheet, or if you work in a Microsoft environment, you click on the file download menu and then download it as a Microsoft Word document and turn it into a worksheet. So what I like about that, that was my sort of workaround, having got frustrated by the fact that ChatGPT was not good at creating gap fills, that, which was specific. I mean, it, it's okay about making a gap fill, but not specifically about, let's say, all the verbs. It just doesn't do that very well. It refuses well. to do it, actually, in some cases. You say, can you <laughs> can you replace all these verbs with uh, with gaps? And it sort of refuses to, I don't know what it's thinking, whether it refuses to sort of, uh, um, what's the word for it? Like create, um, it refuses to kind of, twist the language or break the language because it's a language-based model so it's like no sorry i can't make a sentence where the verb is a line uh, just sorry i refuse to do it i, res I i'm i'm a language-based model and that's not language so i will not do it it's kind of what it what it thinks isn't it well i presume what it's doing is it's sort of it's not able to recognize what uh, is the verb in the in the in the text maybe or or enough times so it's i mean i don't know but it does it doesn't do it very well whereas Let's say with a tool like Wheel of Names, um, which is amazing for uh, creating, well, normally you'd use it as a name picker, but for example, you could ask ChatGPT to generate um, 10 sentences looking at phrasal verbs with the um, infinitive and the, or sorry, the, um, um, the, the, let's say, four different options for each sentence. So go up, go down, go in, go through, whatever it might be, and then a gap for the uh, the correct answer and then you then the students would then have to choose what the correct answer was from each one and that works okay as long as you make sure that um, each sentence has the answers uh, uh, going straight after the sentence not underneath because if you do that when you copy and paste the results into wheel of name hmm. it uh, it will have each answer as a separate item in the wheel of names so you want each item to ha to include the sentence plus the four possible answers in that same sentence if that makes sense yeah. so that's a really quick and easy way of creating let's say 10 questions on whichever topic you want you then spin the wheel one of the answers will uh, one of the questions will come up and then obviously you'd ask the students what the correct phrasal verb was so again you could do that manually but it's a lot quicker to do it vi uh, via wheel of names so i don't know I, I don't know i just having experimented a lot with this i know hand on heart it's not good at the uh, identifying individual uh, verbs like that in a gap fill context, but it is okay at creating, let's say, 10 um, sentences looking at a topic like phrasal verbs. It can do that well, but it can't do the job of removing all the, verb, all the verbs from a, from, a, uh, from a text and replacing them with gaps. It will make a gap fill, but not particularly on a particular item. Mm -hmm. um, in, uh, in chat Listen, listeners um, this is, these are the things that language teachers 
need to do this is this is kind of like the stuff that we do in the teacher's room when we're in a rush trying to get our lessons ready we've got a text we're like i just want to turn this into a gap fill how do i turn this into a gap fill because you know this is these are the things that are important to us teachers you know when we're trying to create our lessons so i don't know if if everyone listening who is a learner of english is is really able to understand all of the things we've just talked about but essentially we're saying can chat gpt make worksheets for us in which certain bits of language are um, replaced with gaps that you the learners have to then uh, complete with the with the target language or can it for example take a, a list of questions and and present those questions randomly or can it take the questions and the answers separate the answers from the questions and present them in a random list below the list of questions you know these are the sort of mechanical things that we that takes so much time and time is money, you know, so this is what's so important. Um, on the site, again, just kind of recapping some of the things we've we've mentioned that are that it's good and bad at. We've talked about some of the good things. We've mentioned some of the bad things. We also said that humour is it's not so good at that or it comes up with cheesy stuff. Intonation you mentioned before. So if we talk about pronunciation, you've talked about the um, the the google chrome extension which is can't remember what it's called now voice control for chat gpt which is potentially a game changer because it means that you know people possibly can practice their speaking skills where they talk and have a conversation with it we can we can discuss whether it's a good conversationalist uh in a moment but you mentioned intonation and when it talks back to you through voice control for chat gpt is it a realistic sounding voice or is the intonation, sentence stress and so on all a bit weird? That's a really good question. So in general, I would say it gives a good model, but I find it amusing sometimes when it will sort of literally stop halfway through a sentence and there'll be a second pause, which sounds like a, a huge amount of time, actually, when you're listening to someone, uh, 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 or I say someone, the AI reading back to you. So there's this pause, and then it then carries on, as it were, which I, th I just find um, amusing. But obviously, that's not really what we want in an English lesson. Yeah. In relation to sort of internet or helping with intonation and pronunciation, one thing that I do is I use, I know that I'm mentioning another Chrome extension, but there's a Chrome extension called Use Immersive Reader with websites. Use, oh, sorry, Use Immersive Reader on websites, it is which if people don't know, Immersive Reader is part of um, the Microsoft suite. So it comes bundled with, for example, Microsoft Word, Microsoft PowerPoint, uh, Microsoft Class Notebook. Uh, it's also uh, built into uh, Flip, formerly known as Flipgrid and Wakelet and those sorts of tools. But this completely free Chrome extension, what it allows you to do is you can highlight um, some text generated, for example, by ChatGPT, and then you right-click the selection, and it will say, help me read this. And the reason it says, help me read this, is because you've got the extension installed. Um, it will then launch the text you've highlighted into Immersive Reader, and then you um, just press play, and it recognizes the language automatically. So you get a very good model of pronunciation, I think. Again, the intonation occasionally is not great, but it's not as bad compared to voice control for chat GPT uh, on occasion. I'm not trying to paint voice control for chat GPT as being bad because it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant, mm, but mm. it doesn't have that same long pause uh, in user immersive reader mm. compared to chat GPT. 
Uh, and you can also do things like change the speed, uh, change it to a male or female voice. And you've got other features as well. For example, you can change the background color to another color such as yellow or green, which might be helpful for dyslexic readers, for example. You can change the line spacing. You can change um, the different parts of speech. So you can have all the uh, nouns or the verbs or the adjectives or the adverbs uh, appearing in different colors. You can enable the labeling option, which means that above each word, it will say N for noun or V for verb, etc. Um, you can also uh, have a line focus so that you can have one line focus, which means that apart from the one line, which you can see everything else is blacked mm. off or you can have three lines at a time. And everything else is blacked off, which I think is again really useful. In the in the olden days, talking about the olden days when I was teaching, you would have a ruler and you put the ruler on the page and move the ruler down one line at a time. Yeah. This is the same thing, but just a digital equivalent. And then, um, so it does all those things really, really well. I think as a model of pronunciation and encouraging independence. And then the official in the official version in Microsoft uh, Word, for example. There's an, a new feature which is only available in that, um, which is called, uh, or only available in Microsoft um, tools. There's also there's a there's a, an app called Microsoft Lens. Um, so similar to, in fact, when you were talking about, um, I've got the gap fill in my, I've got the text in my textbook. How do I make that into a gap fill? You could actually scan it using the Microsoft Lens option, um, which we which will then run OCR on it, and it will allow you to then export it to, for example, Immersive Reader which means you could then um, uh, have the text read back to you really, really easily. But you can also export it to, say, Microsoft Word as well. And then once it's in Word, you could then um, copy that, put it into ChatGPT, and ask it to generate a gap fill. So in other words, it makes it into digital text based on a photo. You can also do that with an iPhone as mm. well using the Note app. But anyway, reading, reading Coach, which is a new feature only available in Microsoft Tools, which is also available in, in Lens, as I was saying, is it turns the play button, which is in the middle at the bottom of the immersive reader interface, into a microphone. And what that allows you to do, you can then read back the text that you've, um, let's say, created um, using ChatGPT. Um, it will then listen to what you've said, your pronunciation, and then it will then pick up um, five words it thinks you need to practice. It will say what your accuracy is as a percentage, it will say how long you read the text for, etc. And then once you've got those five words to work on, you can then have another go at um, 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 saying the uh, the answer or there's a little loudspeaker icon so you can click on that and then listen to what the model of pronunciation is saying and then try to replicate that. And I've been going to Dublin a lot recently doing courses on um, uh, how digital technology can be used, not just with uh, English language teachers. Most of the people that come are English language teachers from around Europe, but occasionally I get people teaching other subjects as well. And they find it hilarious when, for example, I don't know why it is, but a word like which, as in W-H-I-C-H, however many times I I pronounce it, it will not accept that I've, I, it's, it won't give me the green option. It will give me the gold option, which saying that I've mispronounced it, which I just find amusing. Again, it's using AI, but um, but most of the time, uh, it does a very good job with helping with pronunciation. So for, for listeners who have access to an Office 365 subscription, do check out the reading coach option within Immersive Reader as a way of practicing pronunciation. So we're mentioning lots and lots of different Chrome extensions 
which you can usually get for free. You can add them to Google Chrome on your computer. You also mentioned Microsoft Tools and the different um, tools that are available through that, through Microsoft 365, which is the the, micro, the sort of modern day office suite Um uh, so th- that might be a little bit confusing for some people listening, but I will leave a list either in the show notes or on the page for this episode on my website of all those different Chrome extensions and other tools that we've mentioned here. Um, maybe some people listening to this will naturally be thinking, can this technology ever replace just the value of having a human teacher in front of you? And will this technology ever replace the need for having a human teacher in front of you? What do you think? I would say absolutely no. I think it will never replace uh, a teacher. But I think what it's brilliant at is for those people who just can't get enough or want to have independent practice at two o'clock in the morning, whatever, there's nothing stopping them from using ChatGPT as a type of learning buddy, if you like. So I think it's really, really good, ChatGPT, at, for example, a bit like uh, in, with the cafe example, I asked ChatGPT to play the role of the waiter. You could certainly say, okay, I want you to play the role of an English teacher. I'm going to practice my conversation with you, or I'm going to practice my writing with you. I want you to give me feedback. And I think it does really, really, a really, really good job in doing that. Um, so in other words, you can, um, in fact, I've done this as a, again in, in webinars, et cetera. I've said, okay, I would like you to give me um, some model answers about the topic of school. I'm then going to write a sentence and I want you to give me some feedback based on what I've done. So I'll look at what the model uh, has appeared as, mm. and then I will make some deliberate mistakes. And I will then uh, see if ChatGPT does a good job in giving me some uh, feedback um, and it does really, really well. Yeah. And it will then give me the feedback with explanations in uh, in English, obviously. And then it will then um, give me some explanations in context. It will give me further examples if I prompt it to do that. It's absolutely brilliant for that. So I think as a way of promoting independence and as a learning buddy, mm, mm. I think it will, it will be, it's an add-on. It's a way of supplementing what's done in class um a little bit like having your own private tutor as it were but it doesn't it can't replicate that sort of um empathy that a teacher has those soft skills that a teacher has the the natural humor that a teacher has etc etc it cannot replace those um those soft skills those features um but it can be a great way i think of of um yeah of, of summarizing of supporting i mean for example there's a i know i keep mentioning chrome extensions but there's there's another chrome extension um uh which is youtube summary or chat gpt and youtube summary i think it is i can find the chat gpt and youtube summary i think that's what it is yeah i think that's what it is but there's a few out there that are similar to that and essentially what it allows you to do is any youtube clip you come across you can click on the summary option um, that comes up with the extension installed, it will then give you a nice little summary. So it could be a great way, for example, of getting an idea of what the video is about. And and then because everyone, you know, is busy, you said yourself, you know, time is money. I couldn't agree more. And therefore, if we can work out the, the main contents of, let's say, an hour and a half video of an English teacher talking about ChatGPT, and then we do then decide whether we want to watch it or not, then that could be incredibly useful. Um, in relation to that, I've also sort of 
come up with a prompt which harnesses the um the transcript which comes automatically with most youtube clips so you've got the three dots underneath um most youtube uh well for, uh, underneath every single youtube player you have the three dots but if you click on that on most of them it will say show uh, show transcript it won't always say that but if it does say show transcript you can click on that and then you can copy the transcript as long as you do it in sort of chunks i find that it only works um with 10 minutes or less mm. you um you can do it in 10 minute chunks let's say it's an hour long you could do like six chunks or so of 10 minutes per chunk i then have written this prompt you then put it into um chat having put the prompt in and what it does is it generates a table with uh, different questions and then the correct answer and then the timestamp when that question should come up and then um, the same answer with the three distractors underneath. And the reason I've done that is so I can then take that content and I can then use it in a tool called Edpuzzle, which allows you to create listening comprehension activities from a YouTube clip as well as other video platforms. In fact, you can even upload your own video that you can make using um, the Chrome extension, which is also called Edpuzzle. So once you've generated the questions um, using the uh, timestamps in the transcript generated through ChatGPT, you can then literally just copy and paste them into the Edpuzzle interface. And it's a great way of practicing your listening skills, either as a teacher or as an independent student who wants to get extra practice. So it's just working out ways and use cases that can help in the, in the ELT uh, market, as it were. So I think that's a really nice one. Uh, again, as long as the video clip is quite short, it seems to work well. If it's longer than, I mean, I just talked about, um, let's say it's an hour long, hour and a half long, then the summary extension will work fine. But if you want to make it into a listening comprehension activity using, say, Edpuzzle, I found that you shouldn't have the clip longer than, say, eight or 10 minutes. Otherwise, it will just, again, hallucinate and make things up. Another, or it'll have a great gap between yeah. one timestamp and another timestamp, which is obviously not what you, what you want. So the shorter, the better. I have tried, you know, those things. Uh, I'm not sure if it's exactly the same extensions, but I've tried similar things with my content. And as you know, some of my episodes are very long. And as you say, it doesn't handle it very well. It's it's not that great at summarizing my stuff because. I have a lot of tangents and I get distracted by peripheral things which are not part of the main point of what I'm saying. There'll be little moments of comedy where I kind of drift off. In, and those are, for the human beings listening, those are important ways to keep their attention. You know, like little moments of comedy just sort of like maintain the attention and then we go back to the main point. But the AI or whatever it is, the software isn't really able to distinguish between those things and the main idea. And so it will kind of give me a summary of my episode in chapters or whatever, and the chapters aren't quite right. And it's, 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 it's including tangents or moments of being sidetracked as main points of order in the episode. And so, yeah, you've got to, tr you've got to play around with, you know, chat GPT and all the additional peripheral extensions that can work with it. You've got to play around with these things and work with them and play with them and learn what they can do well and what they don't do so well. Um, and you, unfortunately, you've always got to be prepared for it to get things wrong. And as you say, to hallucinate or to see things that aren't actually there or hear things that aren't there or to kind of not quite pick up on the tone of certain things 
and to just get things a bit wrong. So yeah, I mean, we're still still working with with these things. I reckon, I mean, you know, in as as we move forwards over the next few years, I'm sure that it'll certain things will get stronger and stronger and stronger, and it will get more and more reliable. Do you, do you, do you, do you think there's anything frightening? I think that some people's reactions to AI and ChatGPT are perhaps even understandably to be a little bit fearful and worried about it. What do you think? Yeah, totally. I, mean, I think in the wider world, I think uh, obviously there are lots of people who are worried it's going to affect or decimate their livelihood. Um, for example, there are actors in Hollywood at the moment who are going on strike because of the fact that they are very concerned about um, uh, scripts being written in ChatGPT or voiceovers or or musicians who are having their voices cloned using AI and uh, the AI is then producing songs that they've never obviously sung on and not getting any money from, any royalties from, etc. And it's quite amusing to start off by, you know, seeing examples of, I don't know, Beyonce singing My Old Man's a Dustman. I'm not saying that actually exists, it's out there, but let's imagine something silly like We've that. We've got like Paul McCartney singing um, um, a Beach Boys song or maybe uh, John Lennon singing a Paul McCartney song or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but in, the, in the reality, in the cold light of, of day, then clearly if it's going to affect, well, not if it's going to, when it affects livelihoods and, it's, and there's going to be winners and losers with this, I think, then it's not funny at all. But I think just focusing on English language teaching and producing resources for English, English language um, teaching, I think it's wonderful. But I think, there are, I think people are right to be fearful. And, you know, I mean, I, I was watching uh, the film Oppenheimer yesterday, three hours long, maybe a bit too long in a way, particularly <laughs> towards the end. I thought maybe they could have cut some of the court scenes a little bit. But um, that was all talking about um, not having just, you know, a change um, in the war, but a change in the world, which um, I'm sort of paraphrasing the quote, but it's, it was, you know, so in other words, uh, really appreciating the seismic shift that the atomic bomb was going to have. And I think we're in a similar situation now, the seismic shift, the revolution we're going to see as a result of AI. And, and who knows, you, you, you were saying in a couple of years time, it'd be interested to see how it is. Nobody really knows, do they? And things are changing so quickly. I mean, in a way, when when ChatGPT first came out and all these extensions were coming out, etc., it reminded me of Web 2.0 back in 2006, which was another type of revolution of all these startups making these uh, freely available tools, and then lots and lots of them failing because they just weren't popular enough, or what have you. So you then get like the cream of the crop um, uh, succeeding, and and then those ones. Um, either carrying on being free or then having, putting some content behind a paywall. And I do appreciate that companies are, you know, need to make a, a living out of these things. They take, spend a lot of time creating these things. So I think that um, the more creative people are, the more interesting ideas that come out will will change things again. And um, But I think just from just focusing on English language teaching, I think it's a really good thing. But I totally hear people's fears and worries about how it is going to, change the world and uh maybe around trust and disinformation and deep fake videos and all these things which i think rightly we should all be very concerned about and the fact that um you know the impact on on social media as a result of, of elections in the uk and in the states and the effect of that let alone what ai can then bring to the table in relation to uh, distributing disinformation. I think it is very, very 
very, very worrying and very concerning. But in our sort of context of teaching and learning, yeah. I think it's a really good thing. And that's why I've been trying in my webinars, et cetera, to promote the positive about what it can do and showing what it can do, but with some shortcom shortcomings. Whereas when I first sort of started um, playing with ChatGPT, I'm sure you're the same, I sort of got a bit disappointed about the fact that it wasn't able to do some things which really on paper should be simple like, as you say, removing all the verbs and replacing them with the gaps. It cannot do that very well or consistently well. Mm. But other things it can do very, very well. So um, I've started being asked to do sort of, you know, cross-curricular training sessions on ChatGPT. And I know, for example, in subjects like maths, it's just not very good in general. <laughs> it's not very good at that sort of very accurate, precise, you know, answer that I'm looking for. Um, whereas in other subjects like English, it's very good at creating whole different types of text with different tones and all the rest of it. So it's just working out in your own context. If you're a teacher or whatever you are, a lawyer or, or um, a train driver or whatever it might be, working out how AI can be used best in your context and harnessing that. And that's what people all over the world are trying to do, which is why anything related to AI and ChatGPT is proving so popular, I think. Mm, mm. Okay. Very interesting stuff, Joe. Um, yeah. There's so much more that we could talk about, um, but uh, we probably shouldn't l let this conversation become as long as Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> could I just mention, and uh, as I, I feel that we're about to wrap up, can I just mention one game-changing tool, Absolutely. which I think ELT... Yeah, I was, gonna, I was actually going to say other AI language models and similar software are available. Other things are, yeah. it's not all just chat GPT, there are others as well. Uh, but that, that is true. But I think a lot of tools are sort of in the in the in the background are using this sort of OpenAI ChatGPT model. But it might not be that they are. You know, it's not sort of front and center. But yeah, absolutely, there are other tools. There's Bard, Google Bard, there's, Bing um, AI, Bing AI, Bing uh, Bing Search uh, Chat, for example. Um, uh, Claude is another one which I've not had a chance to play with yet. But yeah. But the, yeah, the tool which I think that your listeners, if they haven't heard of already, would be very interested in checking out is called audiopen.ai. Have you heard of it? No. Okay. So Audiopen, uh, which launched in March 2023, um, what it allows you to do, uh, and you can actually do this without even having an account. It's so amazing. But if you create an account, um, then it gives you more features. So there's a free version and there's what's called the prime version, which is the premium version. But basically what it allows you to do is you um, speak into the microphone and you can record for as long as three minutes in the free version. It then listens to what you've said. It uploads it using, I think, an API called Whisper, which um, is uh, can analyze your voice, essentially. It generates a transcript automatically and then from that transcript, it will then generate a summary all for free. And it does a really good job and it will do it in a range of languages. So you can, for example, have the input language as English and the output language as English. And you could have the input language as French and the output language as English or whatever it might be. And there's lots of possibilities. So in the free version, as I say, you don't even have to have an account. You can just um, uh, create the summary. And you can then just copy that and paste that into wherever you want to paste it into Google Docs or Microsoft Word or what have you as part of a, a way of um, creating a worksheet or as a learner, you could use it as a way of practicing your pronunciation because if it's misunderstood 
something that you've said um, that will sort of highlight it, as it were. And not only do you get the summary, you also get the original transcript as well, but with all the ums and ers removed. Oh, okay. So it's wonderful from that point of view. Now, in the Prime version, um, uh, which is, I can't remember exactly how much it is now. You have to, people will have to check it out. I was very lucky um, as an early adopter. I was able to get a lifetime subscription, which only cost me $30, which is completely ridiculous. Wow. Whereas I think um, this is, it's now up to about $150. And that's even, that I think it's finishing this month. And then it's going to be like a, um, an annual an annual fee for the Prime version. But with the Prime version, you can choose the the different formats that it will export as. So one of my favorites is a bulleted list. Now, of course, you could take the standard free um, summary, put it into ChatGPT and say, turn this into a bullet, bulleted list, which ChatGPT is very good at. But you can do some other things. You can um, change uh, not only, let's say, the bulleted list, you can have sort of um, uh, concise um uh, witty summary, that sort of thing. You can have you can have different tones, as it were, and you can choose also if you want to have it uh, concise or um, about half the length of the uh, transcript or lengthier with more detail, etc. So I would really recommend checking out. And on my YouTube channel, which I mentioned already, because um, I got because I'm I'm just like this. I got very passionate about it. I contacted the uh, creator, who's an who's, who's a guy called. Uh, Luis Pereira, who is based in uh, India, and uh, he basically does this as a side hustle. He works with his family business during the day, but in the evening he works on audio pen. And um, I said, could we do um, a podcast interview type thing using StreamYard as opposed to um, Squadcast, which is what we're using right now? And uh, he said yes. And it's about a 25 minute long interview, just me saying how much I love the tool and him talking about where he came up with the idea and what it can do. And and since then, he's been adding more and more uh, features. And there is now a Chrome extension as well for it, um, which so you can record a voice note uh, with a little pane on the right-hand side uh, on whatever web page you're on. Um, you can make what are called super summaries as well, which means you could be, say, recording different notes um, on the same theme. Let's say you're planning a trip or you've had um, a meeting with someone and you want to make those into uh, one super summary. It does that really well. Mm -hmm. There are now folders as well. You can create folders if you've got lots of notes. It's just it's just wonderful. So to clarify for a, a teacher, a great productivity tool for making a summary of, let's say you've had a meeting with a parent or a colleague or um, a student and you want to make a summary of what you've said as a, a great a great way of doing that. Uh, is with audio pen and then from the student point of view a great way of practicing your pronunciation and getting uh, a summary as well as the original transcript as well so what one task you could do is you could generate the summary copy it into let's say another place like google docs etc and take the transcript and then and then ask the students to identify the differences between the summary and the transcript and ask them to say why do you think that the ai has created this summary using you know this term or this uh this use of language but in the original transcript it was said like this why do you think that is why do you think it's summarized in this way for example that's just a, a few ideas so spotting but, synonymous language and spotting language that's essentially saying the same thing but in fewer words yeah, yeah things like that and all those things yeah and, and, and chat is very very good so it's based on chat technology as i was saying earlier 
but it's just brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant so that, um, as a as an AI tool. To see how that would be useful for a teacher to be able to, like you know, yeah, as you say, like rec- transcribe something you've said and give you a summary of it, which is very useful. But for the learners, yeah, they it will transcribe the things you're saying. It could highlight any little issues you've got with pronunciation. Uh, it can, you know, uh, translate what you've said into another language. So you can kind of make sure that what you're saying is what you think you're saying. So if you're Spanish and you, you, you want to like talk about, um, I don't know what it would be, the World Cup, for example, for, for three minutes, you could do that. And, you know, your opinions on the your specific opinions about what happened in the World Cup. And then you, it will, you know, record you speaking English and then it will translate it into Spanish. And you can see if the Spanish version is exactly what you actually meant to say. As long as the trans, the translation is probably pretty strong, I would, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Or you could take that text and put it into something else like Deep L or Google Translate yeah. and translate it and then compare the two. But yeah, you've got the input and the output language feature, even in the free version, which is wonderful. Yeah. Okay, great. Interesting stuff. Um, so wh- what do you think, uh, Joe, where's the best place for people to go to, to kind of uh, follow you and, uh, you know, get your content and, you know, the, all the rest of it, if they're interested in hearing you speak about these sorts of things more, what would you say? Um, so Twitter uh, or X, I suppose I should say, <laughs> um, so I'm just at Joe Dale on, on Twitter slash X. Yeah, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Just do a search for Joe Dale. It has my lovely picture, which may be nine years old now, but never mind. We won't. Uh, we're not accounting. No. Um, but you can recognise me still, even though I've got a few grey hairs now. But never mind. Yeah. My YouTube channel, which is uh, www.youtube.com/slash/at/joe-dale. Um, over three thousand subscribers to that channel, which is really nice. So those are the main places. Oh, and the, um, the Facebook group that I mentioned called Language Teaching with AI. Um, would be a great place to meet. But if people want to join, please, please, please do answer the questions and agree to the group's rules. Otherwise, I will dismiss your invitation and ask you to redo it. Okay. Simply to avoid spam and bots and things like that. All right. Wow. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I never know how to end these sorts of things, but uh, I don't know. What, 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 that's it. Well, that's the end. Thank like, you. I would just like to thank you, um, Luke, for this opportunity because it's been amazing i knew it would be amazing but it's just been just a great um it's been great fun to uh drill down into what ChatGPT can do well and what it can't do well in a in a language learning language teaching context with an expert like yourself and as i say thank you so much for those fantastic youtube clips which really got me sort of fired up and that's why i wanted to get in touch so we could have a a conversation like this, and it has absolutely lived up to what I was hoping for, which is great. And I know it's been quite techy for the listeners, but if we do have the list of everything I've mentioned in the show notes, it'll be a good starting point. And I'm not saying try everything at once, but for those people who may be more experienced with ChatGPT or like the idea of using their voice, using voice control for ChatGPT, just try that one out as a starting point and see how it uh, how it helps you um, interact with the interface. Because I found that particular one is just wonderful and just changes everything. But it's been a real, real pleasure in having a chat with a bit of humor. Uh, before we started recording, a bit of geeky chat about uh, microphones and such like, which is also great fun. But actually talking about ChatGPT and how it can be really helpful and working out the things it does well, the things it doesn't do as well, in a very sort of honest, authentic 
conversation has been a real privilege so thank you for the opportunity thanks joe yeah thanks for saying nice things as well yeah that's great uh and uh maybe see you again sometime maybe one of these days if i actually get myself to the itfl conference or something similar that i can actually meet you in person or some other context great okay thanks joe have a good day same to you thank you So there you go. That was me in conversation with Joe a couple of weeks ago now in the middle of a big heat wave um, and when I was very sweaty and hot and struggling. Um, it was like it's something like it felt like about 38 degrees on that particular day, I think. Uh, yeah, big September heat wave, which made everything just difficult. You know, you know me, if you've listened to this podcast even a couple of times, then you probably have heard me complaining about hot weather. It's not really my cup of tea. Um, I mean, who who does really love uh, excessively hot and uh, worryingly hot weather? I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I hope you managed to keep up with that and hope you enjoyed it and that uh, all of that stuff felt relevant to you and that you picked out a few little things that you can take away. Um, as I said in the introduction, yeah, a lot of that stuff was probably directed at teachers or sort of talked about from the perspective of the teachers. Uh, but I think there were things in there that learners could take as well, including just the general applications for chat GPT in education and the way that teachers think about, you know, how to prepare our lessons and the ways that we need materials to be prepared. And, you know, I think that all that kind of transparency in understanding the way the, the ways that teachers try to teach language can help learners try to receive language or to teach themselves language as well. So hopefully it all kind of goes into the mix in a, in a kind of a, a beneficial way. Um, so what about those different things that we mentioned? I said that I would, um, I would uh, list those things again. When I say things that we mentioned, that's not very specific, is it? I mean, that could be anything. But obviously, I'm talking about uh, other bits of software. Obviously, ChatGPT, which we said about a billion times. And this podcast is not sponsored by OpenAI or anything. Uh, nevertheless, we did give it a huge plug in this episode. Other forms of AI language bot are available. Um, you just, you know, search the internet for them. But anyway, at the beginning, Joe mentioned a couple of online communities. There's the Post-Primary Languages Ireland podcast. That's a podcast uh, for uh, for teachers, really, uh, teaching uh, languages at a post-primary level. So really, I suppose that's, that's particularly interesting for people teaching languages to children. But anyway, the Post-Primary Languages Ireland podcast, which Joe produces. Also, there's the Language Teaching with AI Facebook group, which should be an interesting one for teachers interested in exploring the many different ways that AI can be used to make our lives more convenient. Um, but as Joe mentioned, he does expect certain sort of... There's a code of conduct, code of conduct for that group, and he expects you to kind of you know, take part in the group in the right kind of way. So he will ask you to complete a questionnaire if you want to join it. Um, it's a That's good. That's a good sign. If a, if a group is being properly and carefully moderated, that's a good sign. Um, Google Chrome extensions. Um, the first one was Magical. 
magical. So you just go to, I don't know if you know about Google Chrome extensions. A lot of you will know, but some of you won't know. If you use Google Chrome on your computer as your internet browser, I mean, you know, what are the different internet browsers? There's uh, Microsoft Edge, there's Google Chrome, there's Safari if you're using a Mac, there's Firefox, and there are probably other ones as well. But I think those are the probably the most famous um, ones. Um, so if you use Google Chrome, though, you can actually add extensions to Google Chrome. And uh, how do you do that? I'm just having a look here. Well, actually, you just literally use Google to search for Google extensions, Google Chrome extensions. So you type into Google, Google Chrome extensions, and then you can go to the, the homepage for Google Chrome extensions. And you can search for all these different things that I'm mentioning. So the first one was called Magical. Magical is a tool which helps you to write text without having to write it out each time. And this is useful if you tend to write the same thing a lot over and over and over again. So if you if you install the magical extension to Google Chrome, it will give you more options within Google Chrome. Essentially, it gives you shortcuts on the keyboard, which you can define. And when you add those shortcuts, um, magical will automatically add certain text which you've loaded into the into the extension. So if you write emails and you tend to write exactly the same thing every time, you can just create a, a, a little shortcut for that. And Magical, when you add the little uh, shortcut into your whatever it is, your email that you're writing through Google Chrome, Magical will automatically add that pre-written text there. So, you know, a nice time-saving um, little gadget. Um, there's also Canned Replies, which I understand is similar to Magical. So you've got magical and canned replies, basically quick ways of adding text that you always write. You can load the text into, into the extension and then just quickly add it into the thing you're writing. Uh, one of the big ones was voice control for chat GPT. And this is what you can use to essentially add a button into chat GPT, which will be a microphone. And you can click the microphone and speak to chat GPT using your computer's microphone and it will um, convert that to text, which you can then um, enter into ChatGPT. Okay, so it's speech to text. Also, it's text to speech, which means that it will convert ChatGPT's responses into spoken English through your speakers or headphones, which is, you know, a huge thing, potentially. That means that you can then start using your voice and it adds speaking and listening to the process rather than just texting with your, you know, by typing words and reading. Suddenly that's a whole other dimension for language learning, right? Speaking and listening. Now, obviously there are limitations, as Joe mentioned, there's a pause and it seems a bit clunky. And obviously there's the, the whole question of whether ChatGPT can actually engage in normal human conversation. Um, in my previous episodes, it struggled with that. But it's all a question of finding the right prompts. And if you basically tell ChatGPT, OK, imagine you're an English teacher. Pretend to be an English teacher. Let's have a natural conversation. Let's, you know, pretend you're not an AI language model. Instead, you can pretend that you're a human being, maybe an English teacher. Let's have a conversation. If you get the right prompt in there, it, it might be capable of having a fairly natural conversation with you, but you have to work with it a little bit. So that was voice control for ChatGPT. 
Also, you've got um, use immersive reader on websites. Use immersive reader on websites. And this can also read out text for you in spoken word format. So it's a way of converting stuff that's in writing on a website into spoken English, you know, to convert written English into listening, basically. Um, and then there's also chat GPT and YouTube summary. Uh, and this basically summarizes YouTube videos. So I think you can add the link to a YouTube video and it will give you a basic summary of the whole video. Now, what I question with this is its ability to do this well enough. It probably handles shorter videos better than it handles longer videos. And I'm probably talking about my own content here. Some of I, you know, as you well know, some of my content is very long and rambling. And so ChatGPT and YouTube summary probably struggles with that sort of thing because it can't really detect which of the really main points, which are peripheral points, which things are in the introduction, which are the main body. You know, it sort of struggles to understand all those bits. But you could give it a try. And probably for shorter videos, it can be very good at summarising them, which, you know, again, saves time and could be applied to... English learning and teaching in various ways. Um, there's also Edpuzzle, which you can use to quickly turn YouTube videos into comprehension exercises. You can kind of insert questions at regular intervals. It's really as a, a tool for teachers to use to share YouTube videos with their students uh, and kind of curate the, the video at the same time and add questions and other tasks into the video viewing experience. Yes. Uh, also, we've got some other things that Joe mentioned. There's a Google Docs extension called Close It. That's C-L-O-Z-E-I-T, Close It, which essentially you can use to, co to conveniently create gap fills in texts. Useful for me. Um, there's Wheel of Names, which is a website, wheelofnames.com, and it's essentially a spinning wheel which randomly chooses items from a list. Can be a fun thing to use as a teacher. I don't know if, as a learner of English, you could use that. It's a, basically a randomizer, but it's a fun randomizer, basically. Um, Microsoft Lens, which is part of Microsoft Tools, which I understand is part of Microsoft Office 365. So if you are a Microsoft user um, and you've got Microsoft tools, you could look specifically at Microsoft Lens. Um, this allows you to scan text from a photo. So if you've taken the photo of a poster or a public notice or a newspaper article or something, uh, Microsoft Lens allows you to scan the text from the photo and then export that text into other software. A lot of stuff does this these days, even on your, if you're an iPhone user, the Notes application on your iPhone allows you to do this too. You can, you can scan photos and turn it into text as well. Um, and I, you know, that's, that's not just a photo of, you can't take a selfie of your face and then scan your face into the form of text. Um, but if you're taking a picture of some text that's written somewhere, um, you know, like the back of a book that you find in, uh, a bookshop, for example, you could scan the back of it and turn that blurb on the back of a book, you could turn that into text, which you could then save for later, you know, and use it for whatever reason. Um, there's another bit of software called Reading Coach, which is part of Immersive Reader in Microsoft Tools. 
in Microsoft Office 365 and with Reading Coach, basically what it does is it reads out loud any text that you've scanned. So it's more text-to-speech software. It also listens to you speaking and even gives you feedback on your pronunciation and speaking. And you can compare your speaking with the model speech, the automatic speech as well. That's Microsoft Tools. It's called Reading Coach. And then uh, finally, there was uh, something called audiopen.ai. That's a website, audiopen.ai. And this basically allows you to record quick voice notes, which it then transcribes and neatly summarizes for you. So for example, at the uh, I could use it at the end of episodes, at the end of recordings, I could say into audiopen. So there I had a conversation with Joe Dale. He is an ed tech uh, enthusiast chat GPT user. Uh, he's a consultant in modern foreign languages. And uh, he spoke to me at length about using chat GPT in modern foreign languages and the various ways it could be used. And that's basically it. You know, you could kind of do that. It would, it would um, transcribe everything I'd said and also give me a, maybe a one or two sentence summary of what I said as well. Maybe I should be using this stuff. Maybe I should be. Maybe I should be using all of these um, uh, things, you know, in order to streamline my introductions and my outroductions, if that's a word. My endings. Maybe I should be using that stuff. But there's still something inside me which kind of says, "Nah, I think I should probably hold on to the. the I should probably stick with the way I'm doing it. Sure, my stuff can be a bit long." but I still want to keep that human touch in there if I can. Anyway, I'm going to cut this off here. That's going to be the end of this, okay? But let me know your thoughts in the comments section. How was this episode for you? And did you sort of learn anything or notice anything useful? Are you going to use any of the uh, things that uh, Joe mentioned? Thanks again to Joe Dale for the episode um, and for the conversation. It was good to talk to him. Uh, But that's it from me now here in this episode at this particular moment of this particular day. And I will speak to you again next time. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project 
possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.